do you? I love it. Ooh, <laughs> I love evening, it. Good evening, Internet. It Good is... evening, Internets, peoples. It is that time again. It is time for Scuba and the Rye. Yes, Raga. Right here, uh, week of November 30th. Busy, we busy week as we get ready for the start of the slide roller coaster chaos that is December. December, can you believe it? We're at the end of 2022. We're getting pretty bloody close. We're yes. Pretty bloody close. It just makes me realize how fast this year has flown by. It feels like it. It has. It, it's 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 wild. It's been quite the year. Uh, we've got a few shows left for the 2022 before we take our end of year holiday break. Yes, you know, sir. All that, but that's okay. We already got the little Christmassy dealios up there. Yes. Um. So yeah, but uh, man, we got we got a lot to talk about. We uh we didn't we didn't do a show last week because last week was Thanksgiving and you know there was no shortage of things to do. Nope. Uh, for that, so oh, yeah. we got a uh, quite a bit. We got games, we got adventures, we got movies. I mean, I think Ryan almost lived at the movie theater for the weekend. I'm telling you, people, he he's got four reviews we got this week. Oh yeah, I I yeah. Thanksgiving is one of those holidays where you know a chunk of films drop, um, and there's still a chunk that I didn't watch from this past weekend, like uh, Strange Worlds, Devotion. Um, uh, Till, and there's another indie film that I missed. I'm so. a, I think I want to check out Strange Worlds yeah. just because, you know, I thought I thought Strange Worlds would be interesting with Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah. Dennis Quaid and, and all that. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Um, I went on a I went on an adventure. You did go on an adventure. I did. I went to the Virginia Comic Con up in Richmond, Virginia at Richmond International Speedway. How was that? That was overall pretty good trip. Okay. Um, it was me, uh, me, my wife, and one of our, and uh, Mayflower. If there you, you remember go. her from our stream, she was Yay. one of our moderators or whatever. Mayflower. Shout out to May. She wanted. She she came along. She tagged along because she wanted to go visit the con. So she brought a cosplay. Even entered the cosplay competition. Did she finish in any top? tier round or Unf how does it unfortunately no but it was her first one she cosplayed at and we were talking about galaxy con richmond now and maybe making <coughs> excuse me maybe making a weekend trip out of that yep that should be fun yeah well we'll see how that goes <coughs> but wada wada there was a there was a person there who had a namor cosplay for wakanda forever mm. was it pretty good it was the full headdress. That sounds like it was pretty good. It was. She she got one of the prizes, but the uh, they had a, they had male, female, adult, child, and group. <laughs> and I have to say, the winner of the group costume was hands down picked before it even started. What was the group winner? It was a it was a couple. Okay. They had dressed up as Cookie Monster and Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> I can envision it in Complete my head. Complete with trash can and friends. You can't do it without the trash can and friends. I oh. mean, it was she. Had, she had rigged it up on like little casters uh, that, like the like the chair or like those cheap drawer unit casters, okay. just to help her kind of walk it around. But I mean, it was like full plush fur. I mean, it looked it it really did look like they stepped off the show onto the floor 
the costumes were that close to being the same ones you see on Sesame Street. But we saw them walking around, and when it got to group and the number one winner, it was like everybody crowded around had no second thoughts on who that person or that they were going to be the top tier because they had arguably the best costume. That is pretty cool. I always love the innovations, especially when people come up with the unique combinations and go all out. Well, uh, we have another friend of ours, he and his girlfriend are up there, and she dressed as Harley Quinn. <laughs> Which so, version of Harley Quinn? Um, I want to say probably the Arkham Harley Quinn. Okay. The leather pants and the leather corset. Yeah, I know and, which one you're talking the, about. And the hammer. Yeah. Um, and she had bought the hammer at at GalaxyCon Raleigh, she was telling us. And at one point, she actually denied her boyfriend the ability to carry the hammer because he almost caused a lot of chaos wandering around with it. Oh, yeah. But, I can I can see that happening. But, yeah, from a from a cosplay standpoint, whatever, it looked really cool. Um, it's the first time, first... Yeah, I've been. We we did. We've done a couple of different conventions, but this one's like the Comic Con thing, and we ended up spending the whole day. That was the plan to spend the whole day there. Uh, we left about an hour before closing. Okay. But there was ninety vendors, and a couple hundred people, and a couple hundred people, a couple hundred thousand, a couple thousand in attendance. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It was tucked off in a little building on the uh, compound that is Richmond International Speedway. <clears throat> but um. The overall experience wasn't bad. I actually started going through looking for comics. Okay. Um, and realizing that I need to seriously figure out how to inventory my comics. There you go. So I actually got my hand. I, I called up my friends because you always talk to your friends. Yeah. And I found this app called CLZ Comics. Okay. Right. Now, it turns out it's actually part of a family of apps, but I'll get to that in a second. But the CLZ apps is very cool because it allows you to use your mobile device and use the phone camera to scan the barcode of the comic okay. and then upload it into into your uh, into your thing. I wish I had thought ahead of this. I would have pulled up my app so you could see this on the screen. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, but it was nice because it was able. It took me a, about two, three hours. OK. To inventory and put in all of my current comic collection, including what I picked up at Richmond. And then I attached it to another app, which is which is called another service which is called cover price okay and they are a company that compiles data on comic sales so it can give you kind of a real world idea how much the comic would sell for if you sell it and i made i made a goof in my uh setup i misunderstood a term and as a relatively novice comic book collector <laughs> i'm going to admit i misunderstood this term so when i'm going into these comics right there's uh and i'm looking at my edit there's a there's the main information which gives you the the name who's in it when it was released issue number all that great data stuff then there's the personal where you can rate your 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 view of this comic okay 
I give it, you know, how many stars did I read it? When did I buy it? Who did I buy it from? For that whole kind of tracking. Well, then there's a thing called value. And then they have an option is either raw or slabbed. Now, in my misunderstanding, I thought slabbed was it was in the little plastic bag with the little cardboard backer. <laughs> no, slabbed is when you've had it professionally appraised and they stuff it in a sealed plastic container. Mm, okay. With that rating on it. You know how I know I, I, I messed up? Because when I connected my thing to CLZR and did the pricing, it said my collection was worth north of seven grand. Okay, so and it was like um, uh, somebody's what? losing the collection tonight. <laughs> well, then I realized, oh, slabbed means this, so okay. I had to go back through. And thankfully, it's the app is very easy to go through. Yeah. And do like all I've all I've done is I've scanned them and made sure they were in there. I had a few of them I had to create a profile for because the comics are weren't in their database. But I had copies, so, you know, cool things on that. But I flipped everything from slabbed to raw. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, resynced again. And, okay, now I'm down to about two grand in value. Okay, still good, a good price, but, you know, you well, know, what it got a difference, me, a big yeah, difference, though. I mean, it's like, you know, some of these books I've had for a while, because these were, these were, like, series that I really was into. So it's kind of one of those things I'm like, you know, maybe I because looking at the slabbed value versus the raw value, it's like if I, I mean, it looks like it still might be in good condition. I don't know. But it, it it's some of these comics are making me think I really want to send them off because uh, my friend uh, figured out a service that lets you send your cards and comics to have them appraised and slabbed. OK. I might do that with a few of these just to get them slabbed and have that value. Cause while we were at Comic-Con, I noticed that several of the vendors had boxes of slabbed comics that you could buy. There you go. And it's like, obviously you have to accept that you're never going to read the comic because the minute you open that plastic container to see, to read the comic, you've now negated the value. Yeah. It has to be recertified. But it's uh, and then you have to. It's like, do I really want to justify the price? Well, a couple of my books, if they're in, they seem like they're in really good condition to me. If they were slabbed, they'd be worth about four, they, and they had a high enough rating slab, they'd be somewhere around four hundred dollars of value. And it's like for me, that blows my mind. Yeah, it so. really blows my mind because it's like these are like, really. Hey, really? the, you never really know what you what you think is is just dirt on the floor. It can become gold in your hand. So. Well, I mean, it's also, again, if people, it, it's a lot like anything else with currency and money. It's like, if you have it and someone else feels it's a value, it has value. Yeah. I mean, there are numbers of things. Like, there, like some of the stuff, like if you want to look at age, I've got comics that were originally published in the 1930s. The 1940s and and whatnot. Those might be worth some money, but they're not worth nearly as much as some of my stuff from the 90s. Yeah, like I've got I've got classic companies that are no longer in business that did like Mickey Mouse and and Looney Tunes and stuff like that. They're worth a couple of bucks, but yep. then my Maximum Carnage series is just the lowest valued comic is worth more than those. It, yeah, it's weird. 
Yeah, it's all about, like you said, that, that person group or, you know, yeah. what sect of society. They value it. Hey, it's got value. Yeah, but uh, I figured, you know what, I would look and I would see if I could find some more books for a couple of series. Like, a buddy of mine turn, recommended a series. It was Judge Dredd vs. Predator. Okay. A 90s crossover thing. It was a really great hook, but it's one of a four-part series. So they didn't have the other three in my local shop, so I figured I would take a look. Of course, me being me and being weird as I am, mm-hmm. I happen to be interested in books from Dark Horse, which... Compare most con, most of the vendors at the con mostly had DC and Marvel. Yeah. And here I'm looking for Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah, it might be hard to find. A little hard, and there was one. There was one vendor. I started to look through his boxes and stopped about two boxes in and walked away because none of the books were organized. Yeah. None of them. I mean, it was you. It was a literal, just nightmare. Some of the other vendors I went through and was searching through, I could literally, you know, figure out where in the alphabet I was at, how they had it structured, and could go through them pretty quickly. And of course, I got some really good deals. I think I only spent like maybe twenty bucks on comics. That's good and though. I walked out with with a number of them, a couple of series and things. But uh, my my bigger purchases were like I bought pops. Yes, you heard me, Internet. I bought pops. I am shocked over here that he bought one. I bought not two. just one. I yeah, two. two. Two people. Two. I bought two Star Wars pops because I like Star Wars pops. Yeah. I did see a couple of pops I wanted, but I did not in a position to buy them. I saw a Kanan Jarrus. Okay. For Star Wars Rebels, and I found a Zep. The Zeb was $50. The Jarrus was 75 That's still on the cheap end on on, on, on on some pop that I want that costs a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my wife got a few pops. Um, she's got a, like, I, I, we, we really believe this this pop is a, uh, a life-size replica of a prog, pog? Porg. Porg. Yeah. A little fuzzy creature in Star Wars that it was introduced in return in the last jedi yeah she's got that one it's the biggest it's in that giant pop category yeah i have one of those giant pops i have a wally size giant pop so i did find some other really cool things uh one of my favorites was really nostalgia is this little tucked away vendor had like a little kind of hallway for his stuff and inside one of the little plastic drawer units that he had was Gen One Transformer toys. That would be a keeper. Now we're talking. Uh, now I, I say Gen One Transformers. I'm talking about the original released '80s, '90s toys that were majority metal. All right. Not the current generation, where it's predominantly plastic. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to head over to a um, toy store to check out some things. Um, I need to take you there one day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to check it out. But yeah. I saw those. I saw a, a Skywarp. The Skywarp was the one I had when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they had one there. It was like 70 bucks. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Toys have value. They also had they also had an Optimus Prime complete with the trailer. So it was like, mm, nope. But it, it's interesting. And then, of course, saw some vendors... Uh, there was three art authors I spoke with. 
um, who all have really interesting series. I have, they were, they were smart, Rye. They were smart. Okay. They had their physical, and they're all local guys too. They're all local to Virginia and Richmond. Um, the, all three of them have, two of them have, a, have books out and they're, they're like three or four series deep into their books, but they had QR codes for Audible. Uh-huh. So I, I didn't have to buy the book. I could go, I scanned it and I've got all of them in my wish list. There you go. So I could listen to these. I think one of them was like uh, a high fantasy with no magic. That's uh that's a, uh, you know, that's interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Eh? yeah. It's very much. It's very much a, a Game of Thrones kind of thing. You know, um, high fantasy with no real magic. High fantasy that uh, um, a modern, uh, a modern kind of uh, dystopia. One of them was uh, Asian inspired, a lot of samurai and, and, and Eastern culture. Uh, so that was an that was an interesting one. Um the third, the third guy I talked to, he got the his artwork. The artwork, his books have been around long enough to receive a few awards for being a a, a, a a newer writer for his genre and whatnot he's in. But he had the cover art done by the same guy who does the cover art for the Jim Butcher Dresden Files. Yeah, which is a book series I'm currently working through, and he's in the process of getting them converted into audiobook. Yeah, you know, through Audible. It's just scheduling time, but it was nice because it was talking to these artists and uh, authors and their stories and their their setups that they have, and they had they've been around. They've had multiple book series. It's like twenty five bucks for like set. It's like the whole series in on Audible, front, front to back. So I figured I'd check that out, listen to them, go back and. Be like, if I see the author again, now I can like, hey, I did check out your books. I want to go and get physical copies because these stories were awesome, you know. Or even so, it's I heard the stories. I thought they were still uh, pretty cool because right now it's like I listen to all these books and it's like these these authors are people I'll never see or meet. Yeah. But to actually, you know, go to a con and go and meet someone who is writing this stuff, I thought was really. Cool. Yeah, they uh, they they populate these cons, so it's always good to see those uh, those small artists that come and see what kind of stories they dive into that that'll be different than the mainstream stuff that you see. So. Yeah, and I have to say, I had to wrap this up with my favorite purchase, and my big purchase was <laughs> this uh, bust. I got a great um, bust. It is a great 3D bust of Grand Admiral Thrawn. It is magical when you look at it, people. Yeah, the the print on this is ridiculous. This was in, this was done with an injection printer, 3D printer. Yeah. So basically, it has the spool of filament, and it goes around and around and around to do that. But it's it's you really have to look close to see the layers. Yeah. So I'm seeing this, and I'm like, I'm gonna paint it. Paint the uniform to be the white. Get the get that, and then get the head. But the guy, the guy who makes these, was like, "Yeah, I I can't do painting, but I try to pick a color that best represents the character and do the whole thing." And he had he had uh, Deadpool, he had Wolverine, he had uh, Vecna, he had dice trays, dice towers. I mean, this whole thing. Um, and his, his his shop is, and we'll put this in the show notes. It's called Sinister at Arms Cosplay. 
definitely have to follow. He was talking about his Mandalorian uh, build that he he was putting together, but they have a Facebook and an Instagram. Um, but he says he normally pairs this uh, gr this this Thrawn with a Darth Vader. He just didn't have any Darth Vaders that weekend. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna look forward to seeing him to see his Darth Vader because his his Wolverine was off was just amazing. Worth following and figuring out where he's gonna be next. Because it was a full body Wolverine, claws extended, and there ain't no part of that that looks like it'll break. That's pretty dope. It is. It's it's really dope. He he was sitting there saying he'd put any of his he'd put his Wolverine or his Thrawn against anybody with a resin printer versus the injection printer. So. From what I can see. That would definitely be a challenge that he should accept, and he might win. Yeah, yeah. So that was the uh, Comic-Con adventure. Um, not too bad, about about $20 over my budget uh, for everything I got, just because the, the Grand Admiral is the most expensive thing I purchased. But uh, we getting pops and comics and, and just meeting people, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love going to cons. I do it every year. One, at least one, most of the time two. We'll try to do three if it's possible next year. Yeah, and got some games, but I think I'll save those for uh, State of Game a little later on. But Ryan, what about you? Looks like you went to the Funny Bone. You went to the zoo. Oh yeah, I had a lot of a lot of fun times because after. After the last cast, I had the week off for Thanksgiving. So kicking off that week off was the Saturday uh, prior to Thanksgiving. I went to Funny Bone and I got to see a comedian I've been following for a while online in person. His name's Gary Owen, who is hilarious. And then his opening act, I guess, is a good friend of his. And he was just as funny. Yep. Adult rated, because if you ever go to Funny Bone, it is 21 and up. But, you know. He, you know, he's very raw in his humor and, you know, it's very, what I like about it is very raw and uh, very focused on personal matters or the person. So it does feel real. And when the comedy is real, it's even more funnier to me. And uh, like the last time when I went to Funny Bone, when I saw King Batch back in August, did, did the meet and greet, got the meet and talk to him, take photos up on the stage with him, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the photos there. So, yep, that was pretty dope. And then for the week off, you know, lots of movie watching, which we'll talk later. And also, you know, I have a membership at the zoo. It was pretty good weather Thanksgiving week. So why not hang out at the zoo with the animals? It was weird. We were yeah. like having like frost and cold yeah. all the way up till and then Thanksgiving. It was like... Yeah. 70 degrees here, yep. in, here in Virginia Beach. Yeah. Like so, yeah, went out. I went there on a Tuesday, and on the Tuesday, it was nice weather. So, hung out with the animals at the zoo. And then throughout the week, not just one specific day, because Black Friday sales actually spread out over weeks now. So, over yeah, the week. A couple places yeah. are like a month of Black Friday. Yeah, a month of Black Friday. So, I spent the week, including the, the, the main day, um, shopping for Black Friday. And I bought a lot of things within. A budget, put that in quotes. I bought a lot of things and saved a lot of money buying certain things. So was that budget a flexible budget? It was a flexible on on what did I see and was it worth buying for what was the deal? So ah. yeah. But but the main thing I wanted to do was get new headphones. It's not these. These are these are for the show. But I did get some new headphones, which are a really good deal. Got another new another Google Mini to plug in the house. Got a game, which I'll talk about later. Like, I played the waiting game, like I told you. Hey, I'm gonna wait for Black Friday. They might be on sale. And yes, I saved 30 bucks on this game. So, and then 
some new running shoes, some new clothes, and another figurine to add to my collection of figurines. Currently, I'm trying to buy figurines for the Seven Deadly Sins manga anime set. So um, that, that is my goal to finish out that set before I move on to the next group um, of that. And then other than that, over Thanksgiving, did the Thanksgiving thing at home, did the Friendsgiving thing um, on Saturday. We had a theme where we brought food uh, based on the first letter of our name. So I kind of played around wordplay with mines with R. There's a lot of variety of foods you can bring. Ramen, rice, ribs. I but, mean, that, that was like the first thing. It's like, yeah. come on, Ryan. Yeah. I know you better than that. Yeah, I, I did, I did wordplay. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do rolls of sushi. So I brought a bunch of sushi for the Friendsgiving. So. <gasps> Oh, great. Yeah. So, hey, uh, you know what? Rolls are, we're good. Doesn't yeah, mean it had yeah. to be the. But it was dish. a good time. Could be how it looks. Oh, yeah. And that's pretty much it, other than what we'll be talking about later. So, yeah. yep. And also finishing up the semester. Not going to talk about that because I don't want to think about it. So, well, take it know, away. We, we can talk about it next week when yeah. you finish. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. You know, you know, I try not to procrastinate, but at the same time, I get it done before ahead time. But so it's it's one of those things. Yeah. I've got the paper halfway written. The other half, I have the notes and have the template set. It's just filling in the gaps. That's all. Yeah, I've been I've spent a lot of time catching up on my YouTube feed because when I wanted to catch up on all of the cyberpunk red game that yeah. Sirenscape is doing, uh, that, you know, pushed my YouTube uh watch later timeline pack a few weeks uh, yeah and you know somewhere in the north of 350 videos i'm now under 300 videos that's good um currently just i i did just recently try to watch that scorn if you're the the scorn yeah i know game. it's on it's it's on game pass i was thinking of trying it out but with the game I just got and playing again through Lord of Rings Online and maybe a couple for, for other, those, yeah. those, you know, I don't buy a lot of games, but I appreciate content creators who do games. And my yeah. favorite video game content creator is Gamers Little Playground. Yep, it is. I, I love their stuff. Their their videos are great because you don't, they do they'll do like they'll they'll play through the game and they'll do it like a full movie that you can watch and I mean it's been great. Their one for Scorn was roughly an hour long. Yeah, the game's not that long to beat. It's only like like 10 but hours max. I mean, it's like it's got a very HR Giger vibe for as far as that Biotechnica artwork. Yeah, it's very creepy. It is. It's 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 really gory and at some I I ended up stop, skipping through the last half cuz it got me on a little on the gore side where it's like okay yeah i'm a, no you no. got it you're like i get it i'm good i appreciate the i i hands off tip of a hat to the artist and the designers and and the theme they went they they got the immersion thing man i was feeling a little grossed out yeah <laughs> um and if you want to play it's up there on game pass but yeah, if you got Game Pass, check it out. Game Pass is great. Um, the one I just started yesterday was Plague Tale Requiem. Mm. I, I I think I know which one you're talking about. That one came out not too long ago either. That's a six-hour video. But uh, so far, I you know what? Last week, we talked about the Gamer Awards. 
Plague's Tale Requiem was in a number of those categories for story and gameplay. I gotta say, the bit I've seen so far that that's worth it. Yep. It's definitely worth checking out. I think that's another one that's on Game Pass right now. Yeah, and if you haven't tried, because it's a sequel to 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 uh, a Plague's Tale. I forget what the first one's called, but it's just as good. Yeah. So you're gonna play it. Play the first very, one. Very cool. Very fun kind of uh, story and and conversation. Very so. story driven, and dual character play is always fun. But yeah, since we're into that, let's go ahead and talk about movie reviews. Do, 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 do. Reviews, do. reviews. And uh, having a week off means having a lot of movies to watch. And we got four to go through, so we're going to kick this off. Um, we're going to kick it off with The Menu. Yes, sir. So I heard about this one. This, this feels like one of those movies it's a thriller but it seems like it's it's playing on the same kind of um weird scenario like the hide and seek movie early last year where it's like the family got together and they ended up playing hide and seek and killing each trying to kill each other this one feels the vibe i get from this is that this exclusive restaurant on an island with one way on and one way off has this 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 ensemble cast of of characters to enjoy a night with this top tier chef but they find out that they're the ones on the menu not the dishes so rye did i call it um i would say you got about 15 percent right 15 percent right okay yeah. see this is good advertising because the the trailers led me to think that that was the, what was going to happen. Yeah. So, Rye, set me straight. Tell me why this movie did so well and convincing me it's one way and then going another. Well, you did get it uh, right. Uh, so this movie is is a is a is a film focused on a character by the name of Chef Slowick, who is the uh, best chef in the world. And his restaurant, Hawthorne, is on an island. It's an exclusive restaurant, like you said, where only the ones that can afford it can go. So he invites 12 people, uh, including it's an ensemble class of characters, but mainly focused on two characters, Margot, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, and Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt. And through those eyes and 10 other people, they get invited to the to the restaurant. And then what you come to find out, there is a connective tissue between these 12 people, or at least the 11 people, not, um, not Margot, to Chef Slowick. And why did he invite them for this? And like you said, um, the, it alludes to the fact that this might be their last meal because of some sinister motives happening. So... On the surface, what makes this film so great is that it is very uh, um, unexpected in the way that it's a masking commentary on foodie culture, but at the same time, it plays on those on the world of food through a dark comedy. And what makes this uh, such great is just it's just the central figure of Chef Slowick and the performance by Ralph Fiennes that he is so uh mysterious and why is he serving these certain dishes in certain courses in a way that reflects on how these people are connected to him and watching the ensemble class uh the ensemble cast and the ominous foreshadowing of what may or may not happen to these characters is what makes this film 
so great. And it provides context to uh, how sometimes the people in the, the restaurant culture can feel a little pompous. <laughs> and what it does, it, it, the writing in this takes that feeling of pompousness and it turns it into a more comedic and a sinister thing. Okay. And I don't want to go too far because no, what no, it is. I'm going to try and stop no, you right no. there. We I stop right there. Yeah. We don't no, want to be no. a little bit quick. I'm stopping myself because I don't want to spoil it. And But what's cool is that the mimicry of the food and the layering of, of the courses, no pun intended, it reflects upon the characters. And it really is important to focus on the dynamic between Margot and Chef Slowick in the movie because there is. Um, something to their uh, connection that leads into a very thrilling and um, satisfying satisfying third act where it uh, creates moments uh, at the expense of human depravity. All so, right, so what are we rating this? Overall, it is a very strong dark comedy with that foodie culture twist. And if you like strong acting and just odd, quirky humor, but very dark, this is one for you. Four out of five full price worth seeing at the theaters. All righty. Next up, we have Enola Holmes 2. Yeah, one of the return. Yeah. <laughs> the return, yes. So, so uh, this is out on Netflix. Yes, um, it's on so. streaming, and it's available today. So, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I tried to watch it last night, but all my Netflix use was chewed up by other people in the house. Go yep. figure. It happens. It's all good, though. I know I'm going to watch it because I really enjoyed the first one. And this looks like it's just continuing to have a great time. So, yep. all right. So set this up. This is taking place shortly after the first film. Yeah, shortly after the first film. And basically it focuses on Enola Holmes. And she is trying to uh, build up her business as a detective because she wants to be remembered as a great detective, like her brother, Sherlock, who's played by Henry, Henry Cavill. Uh, Enola Holmes, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown. If you recognize her, she's 11 from Stranger Things. And the film pretty much is that. So in the beginning, you find out where all the characters from the first movie are and then uh, just move forward with her trying to set her foot and trying to become a detective. And what happens is that she eventually picks up a case of a missing girl, but it leads to a larger conspiracy. So through that larger conspiracy, um, she's trying to solve this mystery and it gets involvement from Sherlock and some other characters from the first film. And... Um, pretty much it's all about the detective work and trying to figure out what, how all of these cases, including Sherlock has his own case too. How have all these cases tie into each other? Yeah. That'd so. be very curious. All right. So, I mean, this one's pretty much, it sounds like it's pretty much exactly what you're expecting on this. It's yeah. just the, 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 the cast and the character chemistry is really what makes this a lot of fun. Yep. So what it is, is that it, it plays along. It's a pretty much a journey of her trying to be a real detective. Unlike the first film where she it's a very aloofness, very coming of age. This one is it's, it's a detective film. She's trying to piece together all this evidence. But what makes it charming and joyful is that fourth wall breaking the comedic aloofness that if you're familiar with the first, they do it here, too. And just the camaraderie between her, her, especially her camaraderie between her and Sherlock, because there's a lot more time with her and Sherlock in here. So you get to see this like wholesome, whimsical brother sister dynamic um, that that parallels the the conspiracy and the detective work that's happening in the film. Now, so, yeah. So while we were at dinner earlier, 
uh, we were talking about this, and yes, Enola Holmes is a book series that yep. this is adapted from. It is a set of one, two, three, four, five, six, eight books. Yeah. That you can get on Kindle, paperback, and hardcover. The first one released in 2006. The most recent one released in 2022. Yep. So this is a current series, again, with this whole twist of the Sherlock Holmes mythos. Yep. So um, there, it's, it's very light on story and development and focuses on the detective work, which is okay. Because that's pretty much what you have here. And it's very fun because you have fun characters. And once you get to uh, near the end in the third act, it does get a little convoluted with the mystery. But it doesn't push it over the edge of nonsensical. And then everything kind of wraps up kind of in a fun place. And then there is a uh, stinger that 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 people are going to enjoy. I'm not going to say it's like leading into a third movie, but you're going to enjoy it. So you're, what would you call this one? Uh, overall, it's a fun time. If you like detective stories, check it out. Three out of five. Three out of five. All yep. right. Good Netflix movie watch. Yep. All right. Next up, we have Glass Onion, a sequel or the next film in the Knives Out series. Yes. Again, a wonderfully uh, eclectic ensemble cast uh, from Dave Batista, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Yeah, uh, Catherine Hahn, just to name a few. So, yeah, I recognize a few. I'm looking at the image, but so this was released to theaters for one week. Yes. And now it's going to be going to who picked the, who did this one? Netflix or? Yeah, Netflix. What what happened is with the original Knives Out, which me and uh, Scuba watched and loved oh, uh, a lot. Netflix purchased the rights to the Knives Out sequels for 400 million. That's two movies for 400 million. Go figure. And um, it was slated to just be a, uh, a streaming release, but they made a deal with the major three th theaters uh, to put it in for one week only. It'll go dark for 30 days and it'll be on the streaming service around Christmas time. Nice. Um, so. Uh, just to preface that, it's just Netflix testing the waters of putting their big budget films in theaters because, you know, they're trying to find other avenues to generate revenue. But that's for another story. Yeah. Um, Glass Onion. Uh, so what this is, it focuses another. That's another detective story. And it fo uh, focuses on Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, who must solve another mystery um, of of uncertainty. Um, so what it is is that uh, Benoit Blanc gets invited to this island suspiciously with a group of friends that they have this kind of like escape every year. And um, Edward Norton, who plays the main character, Miles Braun, he's a rich and um, just a rich guy. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. He invites his close knit family or close knit group of friends to this island, his personal island in Greece. And he has this planned murder mystery. It's a planned murder mystery. But um, what happens is uh, certain things happen that lead into something more sinister. So um, a, plan, a, a fake murder story, murder, murder mystery turns into a real murder yeah, mystery. Yeah. So the planned murder mystery just becomes a front for some underlying uh, issues, layers of angst and animosity among the friends. So what happens is, is that with that planned murder mystery, it becomes a front from what really is the underlying um, uh, revenge and all the stuff that's happening underneath with these friends. All right, so let me ask you this. How does this 
compared to the first Knives Out, where it was really taking that clue mystery movie and just turning it on its head. Yeah. So what Ryan Johnson, who is the writer director of both these films, like the first one was a whodunit, but it turns it on his about face where in the first act, you know who the who the killer is, where in this one, what he does is that he he puts a focus on that. who He takes a focus on the whodunit typicalness. But what he does, he plays against he does a play against type kind of directive. So he makes it another uh, about face by doing kind of fragment storytelling, red herrings, and focusing on individual characters by developing this 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 web of conspiracy where um, nobody's a suspect, but everybody's a suspect. And you really don't know what what is in front of you because of the way that he builds up the characters and plays against trope. Okay. And it's really hard to explain without spoiling it but what i can say is that this film pushes the term of clever conspiracy to another extreme it creates characters that are fun colorful and very dynamic with all these characters and you're wondering how can all these people be friends and when you start to slowly peel back the layers and the way that brian johnson plays with time um it adds um adds an effect where he is using tropes as a way to trick the mystery into being a mystery of itself. Okay. So So what are we calling this one? This is by far one of the most clever and original written scripts, albeit being ironically a sequel, but still being original. Um, it's one of the best uh, films of the year. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, and when you watch it, it's going to be funny and witty, and all the characters are just, um, yeah, it's just great. Alrighty, and our last film review for this time is a new film from Steven Spielberg. Yes. The Fablemans. Yeah, The Fablemans. All right. What's up with this one? I have no, I had never even heard of this one. So you said oh, yeah. you were going to watch it. The Fablemans is Steven Spielberg's next uh, film, and it's kind of like a pseudo autobiography about his life. Uh, but what he does is that in this film, it focuses on a character called Sammy Fableman, um, who becomes enamored with film after he watches uh, The Greatest Show on Earth with his parents. Um, the Greatest Show on Earth is a real film from 1950s. And from that point, what you watch is that you watch this film progress through a day in the life approach about, of the Fableman clan, but at the same time paralleling Sammy's affinity for film. So when you're watching this film, it's a very subtle narrative that builds through the family issues while also progressing through a hearty tone of inspiration. So it's a mixture of of coming of age and family drama, but it's so much more than what it's what it's simplistic storytelling is. So this is one film that there's not it goes against traditional play and you're just kind of watching life develop and watching this kid, Sam, um, build up his skills and his understanding of film, but it's predicated against the family issues and stuff he starts to unravel in his um, life. So through the through the eye of the lens, he starts to see how um, uh, um, how film imitates life. But at the same time, when you're watching that happen, it's also happening within the direction of Steven Spielberg. So he has like a t three tier layer where you're watching a the, the life of the Fablemans, a coming of age of this character, and then the dynamic of what it means to film itself. So 
it's like this is a film that sneaks up on you and it becomes so emotionally driven by the end and then you're just in awe of the technicality of what Spielberg does in this film because of how he puts an understanding of what it means to film life and life itself. Alrighty. Cool. So what are we calling this one? Uh, overall, this is another strong outing for uh, Spielberg. I give it a four out of five full price. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good eclectic of different films I saw over the Thanksgiving break. Alrighty. So our next conversation piece is we're going to talk about Andor. Yes. Uh, Andor, for those of you who are not aware, Andor was the latest Star Wars TV series that was put out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, arguably, probably the best thing the star out of the Star Wars universe out of its recent renaissance of content. The, the Disney, the Disney Star Wars content. Yeah, especially the streaming stuff. I mean, Mandalorian really opened the door and I think Andor just was like, you think you know Star Wars? Well, let me tell you Star Wars. Yeah. And oh my gosh. I mean, 12 episodes keeps you going the entire way and the payoff is so worth it. Yes, this is a show that uh, if if you're not into slow burns or into big characterizations of ideology and growth it might not be for you but if you're into really strong depth storytelling and storytelling that that we've talked off before where you're not telling the audience what is you're allowing the audience to see and feel and watch it through mimicry imagery and just character dynamics. This is the kind of storytelling that I love to see because it actually makes you feel and breathe a world of growth. And it does one thing, just like the Mandalorian does, does one thing that I've been always saying with Star Wars, I wanna see everything else in the dang universe. And in this show, you get to see um, the, the whole universe as it's developing and also watching the rebellion develop before your eyes without being told it's developing, which makes this series, especially in that final episode, when you see um, 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 see him standing there, uh, Luthen standing there in the street watching um, the people react to uh, the empire, he's watching the rebellion begin. Yeah, yeah he's watching this the, thing the was, grassroots. Yeah, and the thing is, this was so clever. Yeah. You saw it from the opening credits all the way through. Yeah. Like, if you noticed, it's like if you watch this, every episode, the opening credit and the music is adding layers each time yeah. we progress through to where finally we have this full, uh, full sound bite. And then as you watch it, you the final episode, you see that opening sound is the funeral procession that is happening on on the, the, the planet that Andor grew up on. Yeah. And I think it, it's such a great I love I love the series because it, it is a slow burn. Yeah. But it's an espionage. It's a political thriller. 
it's seeing people are in really desperate situations it's it's giving it's giving gravitas to character or to characters and situation that would just be tropey if written a different way and it's, i think i think if we do this right like we know how andor story ends yeah if you know where it's going to so end so there's already a segment of people who are going to see this and be like well why should i feel invested he dies at the end of rogue one it's more than just about him and, and I think that's the part that if they really lean into that right, I think you will get a better understanding of who Andor is yeah. and why in Rogue One, when they're about to do their daring mission that they all die on, it's like, hey, I've done a lot of this stuff. Here's something I want to do that I could be proud of. Yeah. So it gives you an idea that he really had a, a given... Well, Luthen's monologue in episode 10 or 11? I think it was 10. I think it was 10, that yeah. really wonderful monologue. It's one of the best monologues I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, right up there. Yeah. And it's like, you realize that, you know, it's like the more he hangs out with Luthen, it's like the more dark it is to try and fight the Empire. Yeah, and... and it, it, it just it adds and it also speaking of the empire it adds another layer of dynamic to the empire where you already know they're bad but they take this uh, they take the empire and make them sinister well, in a I, very I, in a the, very scary way that's because one of the things i love about this is the fact that we focus on the isb yeah we don't focus on the imperial navy no nope. we don't focus on that at all Focus on these little webs we of stuff. We focus on the ISB and the ISB's political, uh, socio-political structure. Yeah, I mean that is just what's great, and I can't wait for the next season on this. Yeah, but I I agree. I I call I feel it's a full four point five out of five. Yeah, if not. If I were uh, almost perfect five yeah 4.5 um, out of five just ding it because it is a slow burn even for me I, that who loves slow burns it is a slow burn and i take that in effect and this gets me excited because uh mandalorian season three is right around the corner yeah but did you watch the post credit yes i yep i saw it you if you watched i was sitting there because i there's another another youtuber uh screen crush he likes to do the easter egg things yeah and I had just watched episode 12. I got to the start of the credits, not thinking any different, because, you know, I, I switched over and watched his latest uh, bit. And when he's like, oh, and that post credit scene was so good. If you haven't seen it yet, I'll wait. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going back. And then the payoff for that post credit scene. Brilliant. Yeah. Utterly it is brilliant. It's what it's it's how you do. It's how you um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a good way of doing a series and setting yeah. up and playing into payoffs that for things you introduce early on. It's it's a good way to do nostalgia that has meaning. Yes. That that post credit scene, it's not just forced in like aha, and it's like, you know what's coming. <laughs> oh yeah, we all know what's coming. But, it, but there's more there's more girth to it because of I, how the show is written. And I like it. I really yeah. like how it layers all of that. Yeah. I think there was an article I was reading recently where they were going to they were talking about teasing uh, characters for season two. And the argument and this is, I think, a pretty value, valuable argument is if you look at introduction of a, another Star Wars character from the films yep. and other properties 
Um, you have to be careful who you introduce because you don't want to introduce somebody that overshadows the entire season. Yeah. Because right now they're discussing uh, Palpatine and Grand Admiral Thrawn. The argument for both is pretty valid. Palpatine because he's the Emperor and uh, the, with the ISB and then Thrawn because he has close ties with the ISB and Admiral Yularen, which we see from Star Wars Rebels. But it seems like, okay, this probably is not a good idea to bring these characters in, which would probably be great fan service. Yeah. However, their gravitas of being who they are in the Star Wars universe might overshadow whatever story they're trying to tell in season two. Yeah. Yep. Just my thought. I I happen to agree. We'll see how it goes. Yep. But this is this is this is a great show. It's probably one of my favorite series of this this year. Oh yeah. So totally. yeah. So. Totally, totally, totally. Alrighty. All right. Next up, we got our state of game. Yep. I haven't done a state of game in a while. No, we haven't really had a lot of game. Well, I mean, technically, last time we did have a little bit of state of game because we were talking about the game awards. Yeah. And blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. But, you know, but focusing on actual actually have we're some playing games, games to talk about. I do still play games, but it's just, you know, you don't want to hear me talking about the same game for like 15 weeks. So well, you got a first impression yeah. uh, game, which is Strangers yeah. of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Yes. What's up with that? All right. So Strangers of Paradise Fantasy Origin is basically it's a it's um it's an action role playing game in the Final Fantasy universe. But what it is, is that it's a um. It's an it's another it's a dark fantasy interpretation of the setting from the original Final Fantasy game, like the OG Nintendo game. So uh, you play a character his name as Jack and he's a man that's consumed by a need to destroy chaos. So that's what the premise is. Um, I've only played a few hours into the game and the story is very general to the idea of typical fantasy. But what it is, is that it's the world, the combat and the characters that are fun and being that it is an action rpg you're controlling the main characters jack but you also have npcs that will come along and fight with you so when you're fighting um you have a set of different skills that you can swap between i think it's like 15 plus and they call these jobs and within these jobs you it's a you level up uh, you level up and then you add points that will develop these certain weapons so right now i'm doing a, a lancer and dual wielding and you can switch for, between them constantly nice. um so and you're leveling up but what is really good which i love why i like action rpgs is the loot the loot system is insanely stupid and what i mean by insanely stupid in a good way like within like the first few hours i have gotten a crap ton of items that i can use and maneuver and bangle how i want it to be and then you can you can use them on your other characters as well um so so far it's it's pretty fun um it does combine elements it's a souls like game because the enemies are hard uh but it is a final fantasy game so you do get that actiony element if you're f familiar with final fantasy 7 remake or 15 you'll understand the action that is in this game so overall so far having fun don't haven't got too far into the story other than Jack wants to kill chaos. He literally talks about it every five seconds. There's a cinema cut scene, but that's for another day. So far, so good. All right. I've, I've got a few. I've yeah, actually, you got a few. I've actually chewed through a few things recently. So what we got? Well, I'm going to start with some tabletop. All right. I know, them dice. I know I have not talked about tabletop game, throwing dice, all that in a while. Because let's be honest, I'm a little tired of D&D. &D. 
Yeah, it happens. It ha I so much over so long. I just eh. right. But uh, my buddy wanted to try the Aliens RPG. Yeah. Uh, so this is an Aliens TTRPG uh, storyline set in the Colonial Marines time period of the Aliens franchise. Um, and we we started with, we're we're going through the starter deck starter box and using the pre-made characters which is this crew of a ship hauling uh this ore that turns into helium yeah insert joke here we've already gone over it anyways so we're doing this and i picked the pilot who his flaw their flaw is that they need a stimulant in order to survive their shift. Otherwise, they just start going twitchy and, and all this stuff, which is such a great aspect for a pilot. Mm -hmm. But to set this up, you're in cryo, you're traveling to this planet to drop your load of ore, and you get close to the planet, you're being woken up by mother. Okay. Uh, which is the AI running the ship, a lot like for the original Alien movie. And then you have to go and investigate this ship. And this, it's, we had a group of five people all playing, all prefab characters. And I mean, this RPG system is nuts. It's a okay. D6 based system. So what that is, what that means for those who are uninformed is in these D6 systems, you, you put together a pool of dice uh, based on your stat. Like if I have a five in pilot and a four in um, another skill, I would have a pool of nine dice okay. I would have to roll. And when I roll these nine dice or this pool of dice, any, it'll t anything that's a five or six is considered a success. Okay. You then count up the number of successes and that determines what happens. Okay. You also have, they have an, a mechanic involved, which is uh, stress. And when you have the stress, you have another D6 style that comes in, but it's got fewer success ratings and more failures. And for the failure, the nat one, so to speak, is an image of a face hugger. <laughs> so yeah okay so you 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 roll your pool and if you get your you, you get the failures and you're stressed you have to roll against this this critical failure table okay and it goes every it goes the gambit from not affected to you lost you're just losing it right and I got, I, I survived both of my stress tests, so I was good. But what was fun with the group is as the story, the session was progressing, um, we just started playing into the movie trope, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm the pilot. The captain and the rest of the crew are, we're deciding the, who's going to go aboard the ship? Okay. I'm like... I'm staying on this one because I'm the pilot. Yep. So I'm not going anywhere. No, I wouldn't. No. no. Uh, I may be strung out, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> while the rest of the crew is on the ship, I get up. I go into the kitchen. I start. I make a bowl of popcorn. Okay. 
and I come out, and at one point the crew is like, "Hey, where where'd Steve go? Where, where where's the pilot?" I walk back in with my bowl of popcorn. I said, "Daz, I made popcorn. Y'all do whatever." And then it was like, "Oh," and then they, you know, the the game master circles back around, and he's like, "All right, so what are you doing?" I said, "I'm in the." I'm on the bridge of our ship. I've got my feet kicked up, and I'm putting on a hollow vid of this old movie from, <laughs> from 20th Century Fox. <laughs> there you go. And it's like we're all dying at the reference. Yeah. Just you know, and if you get it, then you get it. So yeah, we're we're, we get we're, it. we're already we're already on the right level. I see you there. I see you. Well, then we get further along, and there are there are six of us at the table. Right, um, two people. There, there, there's six players, five character sheets. So my my two of my friends, they decided to play the same character but with DID. Yep. So it's like you have this conflicting personality as they're trying to play the character, which is absolutely hilarious. But it gets to the point where half of the table is is in this event in this scene. The rest of us aren't doing anything. So in, again, this movie theme, we stand up, we stand off to the side, and then we start acting like we're in the movie theater watching this movie play out <laughs> and commenting on the script and the direction and all of the chaos. Uh, that's mean, just funny. As a movie guy, you would you, you would you would appreciate this. Would, this, this I'm already madness. loving it. I'm loving it from afar, <laughs> from afar, people. So that was the Aliens RPG. We're probably going to play that again. Well, hopefully we're going to play that again soon and carry on with the story. Um, the other game, finally, I finally got to play a session. Finally. And that is finally. the Shadowrun Sixth World game that I've had for a few years now and you, I've you, always wanted to play. You've, you've had it for a while. Yeah. We tried to get started in it, but it, we never really picked up on it. Yeah. it. It's no fault to anybody. I'm not sitting there doing that, but I still have always wanted to try and play. Well, yeah. another one of my friends, he said, hey, I've got a couple of buddies with the with the, in my in my platoon as at the sheriff's department and we all want to you know, play a game and want to get this game thing together. And it's like, all right, well, you know, I can host. That's fine. And my friend decided wanted to be the GM for this, which is great. Less stress on me. I get to be a player because I don't play a lot. I do a lot of running the games, not a lot of playing the game. Yeah. So we get sit down for our first session of Shadowrun and when I tell you we went off the rails, <laughs> that's not an exaggeration because yeah. everything I've been told about Shadowrun is it's an espionage game. Yeah. If you're familiar with Cyberpunk, then you have an idea on this because it's a I'm Cyberpunk d and I'm familiar with Cyberpunk. Yeah. Right? So it's all about espionage. It's not really about D&D and getting into a fight. Yeah. Apparently, uh, that is not how our character sheets are written, and that is not how the players think. Nope. Because I play, I'm playing the, I play the, 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 the hacker, the net runner, or they call it a decker. Uh, one guy is the samurai, street samurai. One guy is, uh, is the mage, and uh, one guy is the corporate exact, corporate, corporate uh, uh, operative. Uh, operative. And it's like we are we start the scene in a convenience store. Yeah. And as we go to leave the convenience store, 
we find that outside there's three or four of the street gangs all conglomerated together escorting this limo into this warehouse district. Yeah. And they tell us, is like, you need to stay in the store for your own protection. Now, the, or the, sa- the street samurai is an orc, and anybody who knows D&D knows that orcs don't have the greatest impulse control. No, they don't in most games. So, and of course, we're now, now we're learning this system, and this is another D6-based system where you have to build up these dice pools for your actions. Well, when the GM asked him, what are you going to do? Because at this point, the store is filling with poison gas. You might die. There's an orc holding the door shut and blocking our view out the window. And we need to get out. So the samurai is like, all right, I kick open the door. Famous last words. (laughs) He kicked the door with so much force that it went opposite the way it was hinged, slapped around, smacked the orc that was holding the door shut through the window <laughs> into the store. And it's like, well, it's on like Donkey Kong now. Yeah. We're getting into a fight. And we got through the first scene. Everybody got into the van, raced away a few gunshots. Everybody's cool. But it was that first kind of getting used to this new system and going through it. Uh, another one of those, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of, it was raw fun, but it, what makes great tabletop enjoyable is the people you pl- have around the table. It's always about the crew. The crew yeah. is what will make it. And when you get a crew of like-minded people and they understand the basic etiquette of being around the table, it can be some wild, wild adventures. It is very wild. So that was the tabletop side. As for the uh, as for the video game side, I actually went through a few video games. I finally sat down to play the Metro series. And I have to say, I didn't they did not hold my interest. I like the concept for the games, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they have a good concept. I've never tried concept, them. But I found the first person shooter standpoint. At the, right now, something that really was less exciting to me as a gamer yeah. than in the past. Now, I even try, I tried Metro 2033 and I tried Metro Exodus. Uh, both of them, great graphics, great story hooks. But for me, the first person shooter gameplay mechanic wasn't doing it. It, it wasn't holding my interest. Yeah, the, the first person shooter, it, it, it's, 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 it's usually the, if it has an RPG built in element, I enjoy it. That's why I enjoyed like uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 and um, what's the other one to play? Borderlands 3. Yeah, uh, two and three. goes into that, but it's the, it's, 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 it's the, like I tried this on the Switch and the Switch was too dark for me yeah. to really enjoy it. I pulled it up because I bought the bundle on PlayStation. It was like six bucks at one of their sales. So so I didn't I I didn't invest too much into it. But it's one of those when I first heard about the game and saw the game concepts, I thought they were really cool. I thought the story was good. I've been meaning to buy the books they're all based off of. Great tidbit. If you ever play the games, there's actually Easter eggs of the books. Each game is based on in the first parts of the game when you're in your room and stuff. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Metro 2033, Metro 
2034 and Metro 2035. They're the three game, or the three books. Yeah. Um, the premise is great, but like I said, it just didn't hold my interest. Yeah, it happens. You know, first person shooters, it's it's one of those things where it's going to hit or miss. And if it doesn't hit, it's going to definitely miss hard. Yeah. So the game I did finally settle on and I played multi three or four days in a row was the 2018 release of God of War. Yep. Finally, I sat down to play this game. I've had it. I've been meaning to sit down, but it's it's just had to feel right to sit and play it. So now I'm... I don't know, 10 hours, 15 hours in. I've got the Chaos Blades. I'm, I'm going through all the side quest stuff, cir circling around the Lake of the Nine. And I'm having a lot of fun because, it, for me, it's that action RPG element that, you know, if you played God of War, uh, this God of War that was released on PlayStation 4 in 2018, it was so different than the previous God of War games, which were very linear, not a lot of RPG and open world. This one had more open world RPG type stuff, but it was that is that third person perspective kind of adventure game. That's what was doing it, because I was seriously debating re doing yet another playthrough of the Tomb Raider franchise. Yeah, the, the Tomb Raider games are great. I, I have all three of those. So. I do, and I, I, I think I played the first one three times, maxed it out each time. And the second one I played once. The third one I haven't finished, but that style of game yeah. is, is really kind of interesting. That action-adventure. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking I'm going to try and be juggling and call me crazy all you want. I think I'm going to try and juggle God of War and Witcher 3 because uh, in in a couple of weeks, Witcher 3's uh, enhanced edition for the next-gen consoles is supposed to drop, and they've got some really interesting elements they're introducing for that. They're fixing a lot of the... They're fixing some graphic stuff. They're fixing some UI stuff, and they're adding stuff that's related to the Witcher series on Netflix. Like, you can actually pick... Henry Cavill's Geralt armor and use it as a playable skin in Witcher 3. So it's like, now I personally have not gotten very far in Witcher 3. Unlike yourself, Rai, you've played through the whole thing, a good chunk of it, all the expansions. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you've, you've invested your two years of life I invented it pretty much when when that game came out on uh, on the on the Xbox One. I played it was it was a year plus, and I went through that main story end to end side quest. I didn't do one of the expansions. I think it was Blood and Wine because that was just an extra quest on the thing. I'd got the other one uh, where you went to a different continent or a different area. I Toussaint. think you're mixing the two. There's Blood and Wine, yeah. and then there's uh the mirror. Heart of Stone. Yeah, that, that was the one I didn't play through. The Blood and Wine I did, because that's the one where you go to Toussaint. Yeah, and, you have to deal with the vampire yeah, yeah. that has that great ending to Geralt's yeah. story. I never Yennefer. finished it, but I played a good chunk of it. And yeah, I was like, okay, I've played the main stuff, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready for the next iteration of The Witcher. Yeah. Me, I haven't played that much yeah. of it, so I might. I say it. if you haven't, yeah. definitely get it. Well, I, I bought the game a year edition for Xbox. So yeah. if they're if it's, hey, I've already got my license. And you're just giving me this free upgrade. I'm in. I'll I'll I'll, I'll start playing it again on my Series S. Yeah. 
and try to just juggle between the two. It'd be a, it actually that would be a good pairing because you can go from one to the other and not be too bored. Yeah, because I mean I'm at the point with God of War I'm starting to grind. Yeah, and it's that that it's that grinding. It, grinding is typically like that's what happened when we happened to me with Horizon Forbidden West is I got to the point where I had story quests to go through, but I wanted to grind the gear yeah. and max out all my gear. And that got a little monotonous. Great game, great world. But I think the fact that I played it damn near every day for the month of February. Yeah, that's why I wasn't working. Yeah. Or all that. It's like, yeah, that gets a little old pretty quick. So it's that it's that pacing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's the pacing, and that's why I, I do, you know, rules of three with games. I always have at least three games I can play so I don't get too bored until I move on to the next one. Uh, dude, well, we've been talking for over an hour. Yeah. I think we should probably call it here because I don't want to get too much further in there. All right. We'll have to save some of, this, some of those odds and ends for next week, next time. Um, definitely that, definitely that wrap up. Let's, uh, save that for next time as well. Okay. So, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm, I think we're good. I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I think we had a lot of conversation. Yes, yes, yes. But at least since it's Thanksgiving. Okay. So we should, like... since it's Thanksgiving, we should at least do that one odd and in. That one odd and in. All right. See. Set Seven me up C for this odd and end. So since it's Thanksgiving, we should at least end on a funny Thanksgiving story. Oh my God! I heard about this on my Wall Street Journal podcast. Yep. So you know, everybody, uh, when you have Thanksgiving, everybody loves to have a turkey at the dish. You know, people love turkeys. Well, there is a part of the United States where. The turkey is not very fond of humans, and he's actually a very terrorizing turkey that actually has a gang of turkeys. Yeah, I was hearing about this. This is this this, uh, this this couple in where where are they at? Welburn, Massachusetts. Massachusetts has these turkeys that are actively harassing them. Yeah, actively harassing. So it's a gang of turkeys led by this one turkey that has been called Kevin. So these five wild birds, quote, spend a lot of time in this particular lawn of a woman named Megan Tolson and pretty much harasses her every time she leaves the house. So, um, I'd say that I'd say it's time to get uh, to get ready for Christmas dinner. Yep. yep. So uh, she has posted multiple various quotes showing Kevin lurking, not just chilling, lurking, lurking. near the door of her home or her car. It's a little anthropomorphic, yeah. don't yeah. you think? They don't let you out of the house or let you near the vehicle. They're, quote, up at 6 a.m. in the lawn and start chasing them, trying to pop the tires. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think we need, I, I, I think we need an intervention there. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin, got your eyes on you. Right? I love tur I love turkey sandwiches, so I I got my eyes on you. Oh, oh! One of my friends, he said they didn't do turkey for Thanksgiving this year. They did chili bowls. Hey, you know whatever works. I guess, but you know I'm I, I kind of like that chicken that turkey dinner thing. In fact, hell, we even when we did our turkey dinner, I didn't bring back a whole lot of leftovers this time. Hey, that's always a good thing. Well, they were saying there was going to be some shortages and 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 reduction in turkey sizes because of avian flu that 
went through a lot of it. So turkeys didn't get as big as they could have. Um, well, if the Turk, if that's true, the turkeys I saw at Wegmans were pretty dang big. So, yeah, well, we're also talking a small segment. We can only see yeah. a couple of the stores we go to. Yeah, this is like a national yeah. thing. Yeah, but, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, now we can get ready for tur for Christmas and ham and all that fun, all that fun, fun stuff that goes with that. So, but yeah, it's that's it for November. It's getting that ready is for it. December. That so, is it, people. Uh, before we uh, set sail and head out, uh, I want to thank you all for listening in. Uh, whether you're listening through our Spotify, various podcast platforms, please thank you. Give us a rating, uh, five star or better, because I feel we think I think we deserve it. I don't know. I if deserve you it. You deserve it. We, we deserve both it. deserve it. Yes, okay, I do. You are entertained. Yeah. If you're checking us out on YouTube. Uh, through the video version, be sure to make sure you uh, smash those things. You know, the uh, the like, the subscribe if you're bing, new. Bing, 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 bing. You know, leave a comment in below. What'd you think? What are your, some of your thoughts? Did you try any of the games we talked about? Have you seen any of the movies we talked about? Did what you like did it? You did you hate it? Yeah. We want to know. Let it, you know, give us a thought. Also, we want to give a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape. Sirenscape. Sirenscape.com for your collection of background musics and soundboards for your tabletop gaming experience or for us, a nice background music at the podcast. This is a sound set I created for Scuba and the Ride podcast, and it's got a winter theme to it with a blistering blizzard in the background from their Dungeons and Dragons Dragon Heist uh, adventure pack uh, for one of the seasons of a dra of Dragon Heist. A lot of fun, great, great experience. Plus, they have all kinds of uh, other soundboards for fantasy, sci-fi, all the kinds of fun things. Let's go check them out, Sirenscape.com for more information. And uh, check out their website. Check out their streaming platform. Their their ability to listen to stream your game to you and your friends if you're still playing virtually, or Plenty of apps for you to use here uh, when you're sitting at home. Uh, let's see what else we got. And if you would like to do more to support the studio, you can totally head over to patreon.com slash scuba studio and consider being a patron. Uh, every little bit helps if you want to do that. But at the very least, to give us a like, give us a review, share us, out, share us out with your friends, tell them how enjoyable it is to listen to a couple of guys, a couple of geeks, kind of just ramble on about life, games just being straight up nerds yep ain't nothing wrong with that all right everybody you enjoy your weekend we will see you next time later peace no, i kept i was trying to come up with a good send off and just didn't work yeah it, uh, it happens like i was just like was sitting there and it's like it's not there sometimes it just happens it does it does it's all good though it's all good because you guys are awesome awesome to the sauce yay